anxiety, a silent and often overlooked issue in our Christian culture. It's the gnawing, suffocating feeling that things are going to be bad and there's no way to stop it. Today, my friend Danielle and I are going to tackle this topic and drag it out from the darkness and bring it into the light. Hi, y'all. I'm Brandy Bostic, and this is my friend Danielle Kelly Tolbert. She is on staff at one of our local libraries. Danielle and I became friends through our life group, aka Sunday School, at First West. So thanks for coming out this evening, Danielle. I'm so excited to have you here. How has Life of the Library been treating you today? It's been great. People checking out books, loving to read. I just love people reading books. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, such a good thing. Yeah, I'm glad it's picking up considering all of the COVID stuff you guys have been going through. And right. All. Yeah. Tell me uh, where your story with anxiety begins. Oh, my goodness. Well, looking back on it now as an adult and being having gone through many years of therapy, now I can see scattered all throughout my childhood, my teenage years, there's definitely signs of anxiety and panic attacks scattered all throughout. But really, it all came to a head my senior year in high school. Everything that could go wrong went wrong. And my high school sweetheart and I broke up. I had a huge falling out with the friends. But ultimately, I really had a crisis of faith. It, it was my lowest low. You know, I kind of had a, <laughs> a similar situation myself. Like, uh, I mean, I had the big breakup and the falling out with the best friend. And I also had somewhat of a, a faith crisis and stuff. So I kind of know what that's a little bit like. But I do know, for whatever reason, I doubted a lot of things. But I just never did doubt the Bible, though. That's the one thing that kind of kept me reeled <laughs> in. But I doubted everything else. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so I know, I know how tough that was. But when you went to college, did things get better? Did they get worse for you? I'm really thankful and blessed that I was immediately met with Helen. Helen is one of my best friends in the world. She was my big sister in my sorority and really became a mentor. She spoke a lot of truth to me, pointed me back to scripture. And it was really great during that very important formative year of college, right? <laughs> yeah. And uh, I also met Grant. I met my, my now husband, Grant, my <laughs> freshman year. And uh, we were both not exactly living perfect lives, but we were raised similarly and had similar faiths. And so it was really great that God brought us together, even though we weren't ready to present ourselves to each other <laughs> at that point in time. Uh, we were really able to build each other up when we were both not going yeah. through some low stuff. Good. And uh, I can attest that uh, Grant is a great husband and just a great guy. <laughs> she got herself a good one. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. He's really wonderful. Yeah. Um, and and things, things are good going up, up until about my 21st birthday. I'll try to sum up my entire life in 30 seconds, but uh, I have my, faith in you. <laughs> my mother gave birth to me at 18 and she married my biological father for a very short period of time. Then he left out of the picture, was in and out of my life throughout childhood. The visits became more and more sporadic and random as I got older. And uh, on my 21st birthday, I received a card in the mail from my biological father. At this point, I really hadn't spoken to him in three years. It really all came to a head because I didn't know if I wanted a relationship with him or not. And so I kind of mm -hmm. went through this identity crisis of sorts. And I really had so much anxiety and stress over this 
heavy, weighty decision. Yeah. I was so afraid I was going to make the wrong decision. Mm-hmm. Yes, no, yes, no. Mm-hmm. Um, it, things just got incredibly stressful after that. So would you say that something that, that kind of really led to like your first panic attack or that, that did you knew you had a problem? It definitely wasn't my first panic attack. I, I had had panic attacks earlier. I just mm-hmm. didn't know that that's what they were called. Yeah, now I'm like, look back, I'm no. like, that was definitely a panic attack when I was 14 years old. Mm. Um, well, I didn't know I had a problem. Everybody else knew I had a problem. <laughs> Sometimes that's just how it is, isn't it? Yeah, my, my roommates and I were getting into fights. Grant and I were getting into fights. My parents and I were getting into fights. And the common denominator was me. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, they often say if it's everybody else, it's usually not everyone else. <laughs> right. So my parents, they, my, my mom and now my adoptive father, they came to campus and they sat me down. And uh, I remember exactly where we were. We were in front of this beautiful fountain in front of the LSU lakes. And you, you need help. Like you need professional <laughs> help. This is not anything we can handle anymore. And they didn't mean that as an insult. They meant it all in love. Um, but they, they're just like, this is out of our hands now. Yeah, like, oh, my goodness. Like, what was your reaction to that? I took it as an insult, of course. Yeah. I'm like, I'm not crazy. Yeah. I, don't, I don't need to see a therapist. Yeah. Uh, my, mo- my own mother, when I was a senior in high school, tried to do something similar. And I was equally upset. So <laughs> I, I can identify for sure. Can you explain what an anxiety or panic attack, you know, feels like? I don't think everyone really knows what that feels like. Can you explain that? Yeah, I mean, it it feels like you're dying. And I mean that literally. I'm not exaggerating. If you would allow me, I'd I'd like to read this little bit from Psalm 69 because King David, I think he sums it up pretty well here. Save me, God, for the water has risen to my neck. I have sunk deep in mud and there is no footing. I have come into deep waters and a flood sweeps over me. I am weary from my crying. My throat is parched. My eyes fail looking for my God. And I think, I mean, that that to me, like that is a panic attack. Like when I have a panic attack, my heart is racing. It feels like it's going to explode through my chest. Um, I can't breathe. I get dizzy. I can't really see very well. I can't think straight. I can't think about anything other than the fact that I can't breathe right now. Sums it up. Yeah, I mean, it sounds pretty terrible. <laughs> so it's not being dramatic. No, <laughs> no, no, no. And I feel like um, I think I had something ish. I would say com- like comparable as I was in college, and I don't remember the incident that caused it. Could have been like a, an assignment or a big project or something other. But I do remember like uh, my heart was just racing so fast like mm-hmm. i thought i was going to have a heart attack and that scared me more because i was like i was in my 20s like you don't have a heart attack when you're right. 20 and i was like ah oh. i remember trying to tell myself to calm down and to breathe mm. slowly and even though i started to breathe slowly it's my heart sh- still racing i remember how scary mm-hmm. that was and it's, so it's very scary i can only imagine what it's like to actually live in that like constantly right or that's a constant thing well thankfully thanks to therapy like i've learned all these coping skills and these preventative measures that my panic attacks are so much further apart i used to have them all the time and now i i have them only maybe a couple times a year and then when they happen Mm -hmm. i know it's happening i know it's happening and i know how to handle it and And i could see how they'd be powerful to be able to recognize it right it's so powerful to recognize it and now i have i have medicine that can help take care of that as well Mm -hmm. But even if I didn't have the medicine, I still have learned a lot of coping skills to like Mm -hmm. get through it. (laughs) Yeah. 
So I guess you would say that your, your therapy experience has been very helpful. Oh my gosh. Yes. So helpful. I'm glad you listened to your parents. <laughs> me too. <laughs> they weren't so crazy. <laughs> <laughs> well, they, they gave me some, some threats and they're like, we're going to make it for you and you're just going to go. Yeah, um, okay. But they, they, they did the right thing. That's what I needed. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Go, go parents in one time. <laughs> yeah. But what was something you found like the most helpful from that? Oh, I guess the most helpful is just learning how connected everything is, learning those coping skills, learning those breathing exercises, and really just having somebody to talk to a third party. They've never met these people you're talking about. They they don't know what your day-to-day life is really like, except everything that you tell them. And so they're unbiased. They're there for you. They give you honest feedback, honest advice to help you live a better life. Yeah. I feel like a similar experience for myself. About a year ago, I sought out Christian counseling because my grandparents, they were failing with their health and I just was taking it badly. Uh, it was just very overwhelming and it was affecting my everyday life, affecting my work. And, you know, I just didn't think it was also very fair for my husband to have the expectation on him to fix that. It's not really his role. Oh, yeah. So I sought that out and that was something that I walked away with as well. Like it's just comforting to know that one, they are legally <laughs> bound to not share the information with anybody else. Cause sometimes that's part of it. Like, you know, like this is a heavy weight, but I don't want to burden someone else with it. You kind of already know the response from some people like, Oh, mom's going to say this or <laughs> my friend's just going to say that. And just the fear of not really being heard, mm-hmm. you know? And so the counselor is a safe place to like, be heard or at least that was my experience and then too like just knowing that hey they're a trained professional like they know what the skills i need to help dig myself out of this right it's, it's not my husband's responsibility right to do that it's it's my husband's responsibility to be there for me to mm-hmm. listen to me but it is not his responsibility to get me through, through that. that or like, to even know like yeah. how is he supposed to know he's just a human <laughs> like you know like so, so we, we have we have a, a, a saying in our house where he, he says, he says very gently, he says, Danielle, I think this might be something that you would want to share <laughs> with your therapist. Mm-hmm. And I think that she would be able to give you a better answer than what I'm about to give, give you. Yeah. And when he gets to that point, I'm like, okay, okay, okay that, that, is. that is him being honest with me. And that is my chance mm-hmm. to be like, all right, I will deal with this next week in counseling. Mm-hmm. And I think that's just a good thing that I feel like more marriages would probably like recognize it. You know, your spouse isn't supposed to be like your emotional hero. Right. That's not their role. God's for that. And God also gave his counselors for that. We should use those. Right. Yes. You know, like that's not what they were created there for. Yes. And it's just very, very unfair to put that expectation on them. I 100% agree. Because they're going to fail and they're going to disappoint you and make that anxiety or issue worse. Right. What do you think the people in the Christian community or why do they shy away from seeing a counselor or therapist? There's been a lot of untruths about counseling. I think our culture has done not so great of a job about it. I think the church has done not so great of a job about it in the past. I think that that we were starting to see that change. I'm very thankful for that. But ultimately, people feel that they're a bad Christian, that their prayer life isn't good if they have to go see a therapist. And, And that couldn't be further from the truth. Yeah. I mean, I know I was hesitant myself. Like I kind of prolonged for a little bit, for a few months at first. But I was really thankful that, you know, we had people in our church who did talk about it. Like our pastor, mm-hmm. Michael, talked about it from the pulpit and stuff, how he would see, how he'd been seeing a, a counselor for his anxiety. And then we had a few people from our life group talk about it. And that's what really gave me the courage to say, like, you know what? I do know I'm dealing with this. It is overwhelming. I think it could benefit 
from that. And, and I was really glad that we had that because you're right. I mean, I think other than just being like, oh, you're not a good Christian. I think other part of it is to like, oh, well, you know, something wrong with me. Like, am mm. I crazy? Mm. You know? Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. that's, and that's why I am so open about it. I, I wasn't very open about it at first when I first started going to see therapy, but when I started to really see the positive effects of it in my own life and mm-hmm. how I treated other people and how I treated myself, I'm like, everybody should, should do, do this. this. Yeah. Like, this is great. Like, not everybody needs to go see a therapist, you know, on a regular basis throughout the rest of their lives. But I do feel that everybody goes through a season yeah. where it would be beneficial. Everybody goes through grief. grief. Everybody goes through anger. Mm-hmm. And those are really powerful emotions. And if mm-hmm. you don't know how to handle them, that's okay. Yeah. Go talk to somebody who can help you work through that. Yeah. What is your response that... <laughs> Some people might say that, you know, having anxiety is a sin (laughs) or lack of faith. Well, one of the things I learned in therapy is healthy boundaries. (laughs) Yes, yes. (laughs) But um, yeah, the the people who who, who feel that way, I, I would want to point them back to scripture. But I probably wouldn't carry on very many more conversations with yeah. them after that mm-hmm. uh, for my own mental health. But I think when you look all throughout scripture, you see people like King David. You see people like Paul. You even see Jesus when he's bef- in the Garden of Gethsemane and he's praying to God. And, and he, you see this despair and this mm-hmm. desolation that he feels. And when he's on the cross and he cries out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? When we have the son of God who is expressing mm. those emotions mm-hmm. in such a powerful way, I don't think it's a sin to have emotions or to express them. Mm-hmm. I think that we need to learn how to do it in a healthy manner. And it's not an excuse for sinful behavior. Mm-hmm. Sometimes when you're stressed out or you're depressed or anxious, it can lead to sinful behavior. But mm-hmm. being stressed is not a sin. Yeah. <laughs> In fact, you know, that whole, you know, little scene there you, you talked about with, about God on or Jesus on the cross. That's the one thing that I remember when I was in high school actually brought me back to my faith that I was struggling with. The fact that God felt alone in that moment. Mm. And I was yeah. like, well, if God felt alone, like, wow, that's how I felt too in that moment. Yeah. And it brought me a lot of comfort to know that you know, even Jesus felt that. Yeah. So definitely agree with you on those mm. points but i also have to say like man like i know for me like philippians 4 6 used to always kind of like partly arc me a little bit or i had trouble like digesting it some of it because it tells us the first part of it tells us do not be anxious about anything that seems impossible and kind of unfair <laughs> you know but the rest of it does say like you know give everything in, in prayer and supplication with thanksgiving so it's not just don't do it it just says Here's something to do with it. Oh, gratitude is the antidote for a lot of negative things. One of the best things that I also learned in therapy (laughs) is listing out things I'm thankful for and Mm -hmm. looking for things that I'm thankful for. And then when it becomes a practice, when it comes a habit, Mm -hmm. um, you're you're so much more easily able to notice like, wow, God gave me all these things. I'm Mm -hmm. so, I'm so thankful. I'm so blessed. Yeah. And for me, with my experience in counseling and my coping skills is just learning like the power of like positive self-talk but there's such a thing as negative and positive Mm. and positive of of telling yourself the good things about yourself Mm. and about other situations you're in so this kind of goes hand in hand with gratitude and whatnot but yes definitely well other than therapy what have been some other ways that you know you've gotten through those tough days i mean ultimately i mean it just comes down to doing good things that you don't necessarily want to do Mm, things like 
going to church, singing hymns at, during virtual service in your kitchen, <laughs> and you feel silly because you know you're We're in your kitchen. You're in your kitchen, but you know when you sing out loud with Brad on the piano and, <laughs> and through your computer, you don't feel so alone anymore, and you really start to feel the power of God. Praying yeah. when you don't want to, reading your Bible when you don't want to reaching out to people when you don't, don't want, want to. to. Mm -hmm. And again, I think it goes back to loneliness, right? Like yeah. we're living in a time of isolation right now. And while we need to be safe, we need to take full advantage of the times that we do get when we are with other people. But we're also blessed with technology now. Yeah. So it's really great to be able to FaceTime people, call people mm -hmm. up, text them, and make mm -hmm. sure that you know that you're, you're never alone. You're never alone. You always have God who's by your side even when you don't feel like it. <laughs> yeah, I think that's one of the biggest lies that Satan tries to tell us is that we're alone. I mean, that's just such a big lie about that. Yeah. I think that is so important you just mentioned about doing things even though you don't want to mm -hmm. or don't feel like it. Mm -hmm. And I think it's kind of like um, working out or mm -hmm. like that's what I meant to because I'm really not the biggest workout person. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but you know, like you don't wake up really wanting to go do that or whatever, but as soon as you do it, you feel you're so thankful that you did it. Oh, yeah. And I think it's kind of the same thing or I've experienced that as well. Oh, yeah. Your, your physical body. It, I mean, it's it's completely connected with your mental health and mm -hmm. going for a walk, being outside, getting your body moving. I mean, there, there's scientific research about how that positively affects your mental health. And uh, you don't want to go for a walk. But after your walk, you feel a little better. A little better. Yeah, it's good for you. <laughs> so just do it like Nike says. <laughs> yeah. Well, now that you're on the other side of, like, of these really tough moments, how do you see yourself now? Anytime somebody gives me a mic, <laughs> yes. I would love to talk about <laughs> being a mental health advocate. Like I said earlier, I think that every single person on this planet will go through a moment in time where therapy mm. will be beneficial for them. And so to me, it's very important that number one, I help do anything I can to get rid of the stigma, to get rid of the taboo, but also do things that I can to help make it more accessible. Unfortunately, mental health care is not very accessible to some yeah. people and making it more accessible is so important because everyone needs it at some point in yeah. their life. Making it normal, making it destigmatized, making mm -hmm. it accessible for everyone to take care of their mental health. Yeah. And I will ha have to say, like, I was very pleased to know, like, our church, we are connected with a Christian Counseling Center that it wasn't that expensive. I mean, it was kind of, but not really. It was, mm -hmm. it was $60 a session for me. And I was like, well, I can do that. Right. You know? And you kind of like, for my situation, I was able to regulate it how often I went. And so I was like, okay, well, if I had the money to do that for that week, I did it. Yes. <laughs> it was okay. Yes. I mean, I'll spend more on shoes than I did for that, you know? <laughs> so it was just like, oh, okay. So just, um, I was glad to, to find that out, to figure that, find out for myself. So what is something though you would tell someone now that is dealing with an anxiety disorder? Speak truth to the lies. Mm. That is what I can ultimately say is that sometimes we forget the truth. I mean, we have an enemy. He is the deceiver and he spreads lies. Sometimes culture tells us lies. Sometimes we tell lies to ourselves. Mm -hmm. And sometimes the, the church in the past has told some lies when it comes to mental health. And I think that ultimately we're doing so much better. And I'm so proud of the Christian community for, for doing mm -hmm. so much better with that. Yeah. But speak the truth. Go back to scripture. Get those things that feel good. Not just feel good. They, they are true. good. This yeah. is real truth of the situation, yeah. you know? Like, so a lot of times I think we're our own worst enemy with that. You know, we beat ourselves up more than we should. Yes. Or we make everything black when it's really not that black or bleak. Yes. You know? 
speaking those truth that we we are not alone. The creator of the universe has us in his hands and um, that this is not the end. <laughs> yeah. You know, it also reminds me of a, a verse that my mother taught me, Philippians 4, 8. And it just tells us to think on these things. And I think it actually says to dwell on these things, which means like to meditate, to really just mm. chew on it. You know, things that are pure, things that are lovely and true. And it lists some other adjectives like that. Um, but it, it's like, wow, like those are things that we should, as Christians, be thinking on. And that is our weapon mm. against that darkness, you know. And uh, I've really, I've definitely have clung to that verse quite a few times throughout my life. And I'm so glad that, that is a truth. Yes, I love that one. That's one that I have saved on my phone screen saver. I've got a bunch of notifications on it right now, but (laughs) I've got the whatever is true, honorable, just, pure, lovely, Mm -hmm. commendable, you know, because that that's just a constant reminder to let's focus on these things instead. What I've really tried over this pandemic, because my anxiety has has been through the roof. Yeah, (laughs) the pandemic. Um, You're not alone with that. (laughs) And anybody listening, you are not alone either. If you think that, you know, your mental health Mm -hmm. isn't very good right now, like you are not alone. I have found such comfort in Psalm 56. Mm. I've been meditating over it and I made it a goal of mine to memorize the entire Psalm. My favorite verse in the Psalm, Psalm 56, three, when I am afraid, I will trust in you. And Mm. I think that just really sums it up that it's okay to be afraid. You will experience fear Fear. in your life. But when you experience that fear, turn your eyes to Jesus. Because it won't consume you. Right. He won't let it. Well, thank you, Daniela. This has been a delightful conversation. I'm so glad we got a chance to talk. Thanks for having me. Yeah. Uh, I feel certain that we have brought this issue out from the dark and into the light. My name is Danielle, and this is my story of the middle. Psalm 42. He brought me up from a desolate pit, out of the muddy clay, and set my feet on a rock, making my steps secure. Thank you.